Welcome to Season 8, Episode 5 of Digital Learning Radio. I'm Catherine, and I'm joined by my co-host, Laura. For this season of our podcast, we are focusing on transcending the triage of our remote learning lives as we discuss where we are and where we're going to transform our pedagogy and practices. Today's episode will focus on the pillar of curation, this time through the lens of students. That's right, and I'm so excited to talk about that today and to be recording with you. Before we get started, though, I wanted to give a quick shout out to say we're recording on May 1st, and I believe I'm right in saying this is your podcast anniversary. Is that right? It is. Thank you. Ashley, Al, and I started Dig Learn Radio on May 1st, 2017. So thanks, Laura, for the birthday wishes. I love it. Happy birthday, Dig Learn Radio. (laughs) Uh, I love it. And I love that it is season eight. So fantastic. Um, So as we get started today, though, let's do a quick recap of last time. We talked about curation as a workflow process and just another way to further our own learning as we sift through so much information to organize and ultimately share that learning. Uh, We also talked about Gail's outline of the three S's. Those are scanning, sense-making, and sharing. And I'm really excited today to talk about what that process looks like for students. Okay, so we mentioned last week that educators are probably curators without even realizing that. And I bet students are curators too, and they really probably don't realize how that can be applied to academics. Uh, Absolutely. I think being alive in 2020 is to scan and sense make and then often share. Think about students who are scanning and sense making and researching how to do something in whatever game they're playing or sifting through all of the makeup tutorials that are online or perfecting that TikTok dance move and production quality or really any hobby. I know a lot of us, our students included, are already doing this to scan through so much information that's in lo- online to make sense and then share that out. And I think you're right that there's often a disconnect in what we're doing in our real lives and what we're doing academically and in our classrooms. So I think one really important role for educators will be to show the students that they can use those same skills for good, for learning purposes. And I think even as our role as consultants, we've even seen educators with that gap where they don't realize, you know, hey, I don't know how to Zoom. What am I doing to figure out those things? And then, oh, they're actually curating themselves. And so students and educators may just need that language to describe and then maybe something to up their curation skills a little bit. So hopefully this conversation will um, center around all of those things. Oh yeah, and what I'm hearing you say really makes me think about some of our previous conversations. What we're really doing and what our students are really doing is showing that agency 
that design and uncovering our learning preferences that we've all kind of been forced to do in this emergency remote learning time. Uh, I think about the beginning of going remote. Uh, maybe students had no idea where to start. We talked about last week, you know, teachers who maybe for the first time were trying to figure out Google Classroom. How do I get started? And so possibly students were in the same boat. Hey, miss, how do I upload an <laughs> assignment um, without thinking like, hey, you could Google this. I'm sure there's a quick FAQ document or a video or whatever sparks your learning preference um, without really thinking about doing that in that academic setting. Whereas if it were um, a game or a hobby, that might be just that initial gut reaction. Hey, let me look this up and see how to do it. So I think probably from my experience, again, like we mentioned last week, we were overwhelmed with those resources and I may have found 87 things that I wanted to share. Now that I know that I can be a good curator to help my students, let me rein in that ginormous list and just share the top three things. And mm -hmm. then if I'm thinking about in my Google Classroom, for instance, where can I post them in a way that is convenient for the students to access? And then even put a little bit of context outside, here's the link and this is what it may explain. Or if you're stuck here, then click this link or this and give them choice. So back to the um, medium preference, but think about, you know, what does this resource help you do or what will it help you accomplish? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, a big piece of being an educator is really modeling those intentional designs and those decisions that we have made. And so this has been a perfect opportunity, intentional or not, to model that curation and kind of like you said, hone in on just a couple of resources. So I know that I struggle with this sometimes um, being more of a dumper than a curator where uh, there are so many things out there and I want to share all of them, but really thinking about something we've said a lot during remote learning times that less is best and really intentionally choosing those resources that we're posting. And so instead of sharing 87 links with our students, really, really thinking about that organization of which links we're choosing to post, where they are, and kind of like you said, giving that brief context. I know you mentioned that last week, talking about your own curation preferences, your Google Doc for summer learning design, it's not just a bunch of hyperlinks that are pasted in there. Uh, there's some context behind it. And so we've done that in kind of a triage way where we, I think, have all just thrown links at people. Now we're kind of thinking about that organization. And so where my mind goes is how could we transfer kind of this skill, this curation back to our classroom design for the fall? Okay, so here's an example where I was probably a curator and didn't know that. Mm -hmm. And I asked my students, I remember way back in the day, where we one of our very first week assignments was to do a little website analysis for the students. So I was teaching um, pre-calculus or pre-AP pre-calculus in Algebra 1, and I knew there were going to be times when the students had to find information on their own or they would be stuck. 
So I gave them a list of maybe 10 websites and I can see that list in my head and they were not <laughs> hyperlinked and they were not pretty links. So <laughs> different times, different that, times. It's okay. <laughs> um, and I asked the students to go through and look, click on those websites, look at the websites and then choose maybe three that they really liked and then bookmark them. And so I was thinking about, okay, figure out your own preference. So this site is a bunch of videos or this site, I remember one of them was the coolmath.com and it has all these crazy colors and fonts on there. But some people just wanted straight, you know, very simplistic, minimal looking um, websites. And so I had a giant list, well not giant, you know, 10. Mm -hmm. I asked them to pick three, mm -hmm. asked them to bookmark and then go in whenever they needed help to go back and refer to one of those sites. So I'm so proud of myself for, again, <laughs> this was curation, but I had no idea scanning since making and then sharing yes. that way. <laughs> so I love that. So there are two things that I actually really love about that. Well, maybe three because way to be a trendsetter back in the day. <laughs> so that's, that's one of the things. But um, two other things that I'm hearing, and I can relate to this as well, is doing it just kind of out of necessity, not necessarily intentional design. And that might be me just projecting my own teacher life. But um, I, I know that I did a similar thing knowing when I would be out um, and wanted to make sure that there was no excuse like, hey, even if there's a substitute, you guys know what's going on. Um, I have given you resources because I'm not there to help you out. And so kind of doing it out of necessity, I'll be out um, or you'll be out. I was talking about being a high school teacher in the spring when it's UIL and track and everything yeah. and so it's helpful when we have those things as just a resource for students to go to but what I really like is that shift that I heard you talking about students being their own curators and so students really having to display that critical thinking skill to kind of sift through the websites that you had already curated to kind of begin thinking in that reflective and metacognitive way hey what are my go-to sites that as a student I have the agency to know my own learning preferences that I will have in my back pocket you said bookmark I always love to talk about a keep note, where am I putting stuff so I can go to it when I am stuck later. And that is an awesome skill to be developing in students. Well, thanks, Laura. I Again, I was teaching curation, but I was not saying those three mm -hmm. S's, but it was still that that same idea for sure. Hey, there is another post that I have shared so many times that I love that is a perfect fit for curation as well. And this is from George Koros and mm -hmm. the post is um, adding or subtracting learning. And this was actually from I think 2017 and his um, idea um, asks, and here's a guilty hand raise. How many times have you as a teacher spent a crazy amount of time looking for the perfect video or for the perfect oh, yeah. resource? And so, yes, you know, I could spend hours in the mm -hmm. evening looking for something or trying to develop my um, mm -hmm. video myself. Well, he said, what if you have your students find the perfect video that meets their needs? Mm. 
And if you have taught this idea of, okay, here are three sites that I always go to. I've bookmarked those sites. You have explicitly taught before, here are the objectives. This is the standard that we need to cover. Find the perfect resource for you. In George's post, he also suggests that you have the students link their, their resource, whether it's a video or a website, into a Google form. And so then you have a giant spreadsheet if you have five class periods and 35 students in each class. Mm -hmm. You know, some will be duplicates, I'm sure, but then you have curated a giant list of all of these resources. And so that's the whole also scanning, sense making, and sharing. But one thing that I love that he says in his post is, you know, if you're doing that work, are you taking away the learning from the students? Mm. And so I've done all this work of listening and watching videos and analyzing sites. The students, I hope, will be able to do that. And they probably have had to do that mm -hmm. in these remote experiences. And then the other thing is, how many extra videos will the kids watch before they come to the one that they think, oh, this one I'll submit on the form because I really love the way this person explained it or whatever. So, um, yes, uh, I love that tricking them into learning <laughs> uh, where they're, they're actually watching multiple videos. Uh, but no, I, I love that that is helpful for me. So I am not spending all of my time, just that commodity of time finding that video, but really me getting out of the way so that students can own their learning. I love that. And what I really love is we've really kind of laid the foundation for that, again, without really meaning to, being forced to be in this emergency remote life. And so more than ever, I think students across the board have had to fill in those gaps in their learning or were looking for curated resources to help facilitate that filling in the gaps. And so I just love the foundation that's been laid now that can really, I think, carry over nicely into the fall. I agree. And that's so exciting thinking about these things that are going to come out, we hope, from this remote learning experience that will be yes. able to transform the classroom. Okay, so Laura, let's dig in just a little bit more. With those three S's, I think that there is a lot of depth to each one of those S's. Mm -hmm. So what do you think, like what other skills would you have to teach for those three individual S's of great curation? Of course. Uh, I would like to think that students just naturally can make sense, uh, scan through information, do that sense making, but you're exactly right. We, that's a skill that we've got to teach. Uh, and so I am thinking like ding, ding, ding. This is a natural place to embed those media literacy skills in our classrooms. And so, you know, I think in our content areas, we are used to doing a think aloud kind of model. Oh, as I break down this text or analyze the tone, here's what I'm thinking. You know, we're really accustomed to that. This is a great time to kind of do a think aloud for a search for a video. And so thinking about, okay, if I am searching for the answer of how to do something in Google Classroom, maybe I want to use some of the filters in a Google search. Like I want something that's been posted 
the most recently. I don't want something from two years ago because it looks totally different. Or maybe I want to search only for videos or as I'm scanning, I want to make sure a video is under five minutes because I don't have time or the attention <laughs> span for anything more than five minutes. And so I think these just kind of real application for media literacy that we talk about a lot in the beginning of the school year and then some get caught up in everything else that we're covering and our teaks. This feels like such a natural fit to put this in. Um, and it really is developing that critical thinking for our students as well. And that makes me excited. Oh, gosh, yes. I think um, I think there are so many opportunities and it doesn't take a lot of time. So teachers yeah. are if you're thinking back to a traditional class period, oh, that was, this would take too much time. No, it doesn't. Just mm -hmm. as you do a search, do your little thinking. I want five minutes. I want something current. I want something from a reliable source. And, and then the teacher modeling that will help um, the students do a little bit better with the scanning, hopefully. Yeah, and something that I'm thinking about is, I think right now more than a I have for a long time, like I have been in learner mode and a lot of us have been in that learner mode. And so it is fresher in my mind to think through, okay, what do I need? How am I doing this? It's kind of easier for me to be metacognitive because I have been in this boat of like, I do not know the answer. <laughs> Where can I find it? Whereas sometimes when I've taught, you know, AP English for for eight periods a day for <laughs> seven years, it's more difficult to remember what it was like to not know this skill. And so I think that's another thing that is helpful for me to be thrown into the role of true learner helps me uh, be a little bit fresher on how to model that metacognitive thinking because I'm having to do a lot of thinking right now. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent point. Well, and then I love how our conversations have um, come together from our previous episodes with learning preferences. So as we're searching for resources, I know I want a video, you want an FAQ sheet, mm -hmm. someone else may want, you know, just text only. So we've got that um, addressed for the design part of it. And then also thinking about agency. Like I don't have to wait for the teacher to have help desk hours or office hours, but I'm able to do that searching on my own. And then I need to find it, or need to be able to find it later. So mm -hmm. I love how all of these pieces are just overlapping. Like. Gail meant them to maybe. Yes. <laughs> we have talked about then the curation from the educator's perspective. How do we organize our learning? Thinking about how we can organize it for our students and then move it to how the students can organize, find and organize their learning on their own. So next week we'll talk about the third pillar, which is feedback. I love the pillar of feedback and I'm really excited for that time. But for now, thanks for spending time with us today. Remember to take care of yourselves, take care of your families, take care of your students, and know that we will transcend this time of triage and emerge transformed. If you want to continue the conversations or if you have additional questions or feedback, find us on Twitter at, at DigLearnRadio. Radio.